Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to on sites like Inc.com, Fit Small Business, uh, People First, and was also highlighted on MSNBC's Your Business. And that is really because of the wonderful guests who I've had really the pleasure of speaking with over the years. I always learn something, so I know uh, the listeners are as well. These are folks who have expertise in a variety of areas of business. They give of their time and their knowledge so that all of you can succeed. Uh, Today we have such a guest with us. Uh, Today my guest is Patricia Thompson. Patricia is the founder of Silver Lining Psychology, a corporate psychology and executive coaching firm. She's been consulting CEOs and senior executives from small businesses to Fortune 100 companies for almost 15 years. On the way to earning her PhD, she was educated at the University of Toronto, Georgia State University, University of Pennsylvania, and Emory University. She's been featured in the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Fast Company, Entrepreneur, Inc., and many other outlets. Thank you so much for joining me today, Patricia. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I am thrilled to have you here. Um, We're going to be talking about mindfulness which is such an important topic, and I think (laughs) way too many people are not implementing it. (laughs) So, but what what I want to start with is all of these, um, I'm going to say demands that we seem to have on our time, you know, and, and, uh, you know, a lot at work, you hear it from a lot of people, they just, they have so much and prioritizing it is difficult. Is that something that you um, find with the clients that you work with that keeping up with work demands is challenging? Absolutely. I think that we're so inundated with information and things to do that it can make a lot of people just feel like they're swimming upstream just to keep up. You know, whether it's a small business owner who has to do a lot by his or herself to like just keep up with the demands of the business, or like I said, the senior executives I work with who have a lot of external demands placed on them. It's just so much to do. And so it's really critical that we learn to develop the discipline to take a step back so that we can learn to be more intentional about how we're using our time. 
Oh, I love that. Intentional about how we're using our time. So that sounds to me like you're not advocating for multitasking. Is that <laughs> fair? <laughs> that is fair. Um, you know, the whole concept of multitasking, I think, sounds good, but we know that it's a myth. We simply aren't able to do multiple tasks simultaneously. And instead, what tends to happen is that we switch from task to task um, but we're not giving our full sustained attention to any one thing. And so when you try to multitask, it actually makes you less productive, not more. And so, you know, the key is not to try to multitask. It's really to give your full attention to whatever task you're doing at any given time. And when you do that, you get it done more efficiently, and then you can move on to the next thing, again, being fully present when you're doing it. Okay. And, and, does that actually, um, this is going to sound like a strange question, but does it help you actually gain time? Because I think part of the reason why people feel like they have to multitask is because there are only so many hours in a day. But yeah. can they still get, right? I mean, I feel like what you're saying is you can actually get more done by doing things one at a time. Absolutely, like because you're doing each task more efficiently and so you probably end up getting it done faster. But the thing is, it sounds straightforward, <laughs> but research shows that we actually tend to interrupt ourselves a lot. Like there was one study where they followed people in an organization and it found that they were switching tasks anywhere from 17 to 27 times per hour. And Whoa. Most of those interruptions were initiated by the people themselves. So it wasn't other people coming in and asking them to do things. It was people who were, you know, usually checking their electronic devices or moving to do something else. And so it sounds straightforward, but it's usually a lot trickier for people to be able to focus on one task at a time than it might sound. So, so it's so interesting. Um, because I just did a workshop yesterday on time management, and I started with, you can't manage time. You, know, you can only <laughs> manage tasks and priorities and things. But interestingly, the challenges that all of those people thought they had was with other people. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting that really people are their own worst enemy, it sounds like, when it comes to managing their workload. Yeah, like in that particular study, two thirds of interruptions were initiated by people themselves. And, you know, it's things like you might start to write on a report and then you see a, a notification come up on your email. So you check that. Maybe you have to search something to respond. And so then you start typing, you know, in Google and then that creates another rabbit hole. And so there are so many distractions around us that if we're not intentional, again, about managing them, um, we can lose a lot of time without even realizing it. Wow, that's so great. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, I really, because seriously, uh, it, it, it's so, people are so, I think, frustrated about this. And so it, this is wonderful to hear that, um, you know, we're our own worst enemy, but then we have control over it, which is the great part of it, that, that we can actually do something about this because it's not out of our, control. It's not like other forces are doing this to us. Right. Like a really typical thing that a lot of people do, and I'm guilty of it myself, is 
working with your smartphone sitting right beside you, right? <laughs> so you're asking to be distracted. And you could just take some power by putting it on the other side of the room. Like if you're waiting for a call, you'll still hear the ringer. Or, you know, deciding that you're going to turn it off or mute your notifications for a while. Just something as small as that can increase your productivity. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, so, Talk to me some about about self care and well being and and the import I guess prioritizing that because it does feel like a lot of companies are shifting to putting an emphasis on that that they understand that the way they get the the most out of their people is by making sure that their people are taking care of themselves. So yeah, I, I, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, I do definitely see a shift in that direction. And I think it's because people realize that basically there's only so much that people can handle and that people do have a lot of demands being placed on them. And so they recognize that people do need some opportunity to recharge. And I'll say that the shift varies because, you know, there are some companies that just haven't caught up. But, you know, for example, I consult to a company that has Wellness Wednesdays and they encourage people to bring their gym clothes so that they can work out. Or, you know, other companies might bring in a massage therapist periodically. Um, you know, in New York, there's a proposed right to disconnect bill, which would um, basically make it, I guess, I don't know if it's illegal. I think they're trying to make it illegal for um, employers to expect that employees will return mail after hours. And so I think a lot of companies have a greater awareness of the difficulties that employees face if they're not able to disconnect or if they're not able to take care of themselves. Um, and I think with the growth of millennials in the workplace, um, they're not just wanting those things, they're demanding those things. And so it's really putting the pressure on companies to focus on culture and well-being and their employees being able to take care of themselves. It's so interesting for me because poor millennials, they get so bad wrapped by, by people for all of these things. But when you stop and think about it, people in my generation raised them, right? So <laughs> we raised them to be that way. But they also have really great values, right? right. They value self-care. They value the environment. They value social causes and thinking beyond making money. You know, they, they've really got um, a, a pretty good viewpoint and so they i think they add a lot of value to the workplace absolutely and i think these sorts of concerns about work-life balance and you know happiness in the workplace i mean they're nice to have but research also shows that when people are happier they tend to do better work and yeah. so the zeitgeist is changing because we're hearing more and more research that supports this. And we have this segment of the population that's really advocating for it. And like I said, not just advocating, but demanding that this is what we need in the workplace to be successful. Yeah, yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah. So I mentioned at the beginning of this that we were gonna be talking about mindfulness and, mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned about you know, being intentional, um, but I'd really like it if you go in somewhat to what mindfulness really is and how it's used and, you know, what it's the value of it, what it's really all about. Yeah, so mindfulness um, is defined a number of ways. I actually like a definition by a psychologist named John Kabat-Zinn, who does a lot of work with mindfulness, and he defines it as paying attention in a particular way 
So on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. And so, you know, if you unpack that, what it means is that you're purposefully uh, focusing your attention in a given direction. Um, you're aiming to stay in the present moment, so fully present with what's going on. So like if you think in a work situation, if I'm writing a report, I'm fully present on that report and I'm trying to get rid of other distractions. Or if I'm sitting with a client, I'm fully present, listening, allowing that person to feel heard. Um, and I'm doing all of this in a non-judgmental way. And the non-judgment um, means that you're aiming to be as objective as possible. So kind of like you're observing a situation um, by taking a step back from it. So a good example would be, let's say you decided to eat mindfully, which is something that we probably should do more of, but a lot of us don't do. <laughs> but let's say you were doing that. That would mean that you had your plate of food, you're sitting in front of it, you're aiming to be fully present, kind of fully taste what's going on, it's taking the smells, like fully appreciate the experience, and doing it kind of in an objective way, like with a sense of curiosity, like, oh, what this, does this taste like? Oh, I'm experiencing this taste in my mouth as I'm eating it. Or let me look at the food, how does it look? Oh, I'm, I'm and so it's a lot of um, kind of objective observation of your experience. And if you think about if you do that, um, as you're going about your work, it just gives you a different sort of experience doing it. Instead of reactively going from thing to thing or getting caught up in an emotion or what somebody did to you, you're again able to take that step back, put yourself in the present, focus on what you're doing, and be more objective in the process. And that allows you to behave with a greater sense of intention. Wow. That is great. Now, how hard is that to do? Because <laughs> I mean, so, so, that sounds hard. <laughs> so you typically hear of mindfulness referred to as a practice, and <laughs> because it takes some practice, and it requires some discipline to be able to do that. Um, but it is something that people can develop across time. But but yeah, I mean, it does take some focused attention to be able to train yourself to let go of um, distractions and to put yourself in the present moment. But a really good first step is just even setting the intention to put yourself in the present moment. Because a lot of times we don't even have that intention. And so, yeah. you know, we're not at all mindful. Yeah, right, right. You can sort of work your way into it instead yeah. of thinking you're magically going to be there. Yeah. Right. Like you're not going to go off and sit on a mountain and meditate for, you know, a week. <laughs> <laughs> you might start with a minute. <laughs> or, and you that's know, so good. Yeah, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, or you might decide I'm not going to check my cell phone every five minutes instead of every two minutes, you, like whatever it is to get you started is where you need to begin. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, yeah. That's setting you up for success, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break. Um, and then we'll continue. Okay. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. An example of a book you can listen to on audible.com is The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. 
So visit audibletrial.com slash business growth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Patricia Thompson about the importance of mindfulness. So if we have someone who's listening to this and is thinking that mindfulness is is a little too touchy-feely, you know, a little too of that Mm woo-woo stuff, um, (laughs) can you help them see how it's really practical and can be a really effective tool? Yeah, I do think that there can be a misconception that it is, as you said, touchy-feely and woo-woo. And so when I'm introducing the concept to business people that I work with, I make a strong case for talking about kind of the benefits that have been shown through research. Um, You know, like mindfulness has been linked to helping people to be more productive. And it also helps them to manage their stress. And so those are important things that people can often get behind and, you know, kind of piques their curiosity. Um, But the other thing is that mindfulness at its core is simply a way to train your attention. And so there's often meditation involved because that's a great place to start um, is to train yourself to pay attention by kind of, uh, I guess, blocking out other distractions. But the reality is that you can do anything mindfully. Like I said, you could eat mindfully, you could walk mindfully by really paying attention to your surroundings and the sensation in your body as you're walking. Um, You can mindfully attend to people in your life. And so as a business person, if you're paying attention to your clients or to the people who work for you in a mindful way, that's gonna have a positive impact on your relationships. Um, And so really I focus on the benefits and I talk a lot about the research and that is something that I think people can get behind. And then when they learn that they can start in really small doses and like I said, just by meditating for two minutes at a time, that usually gets them in a place where they feel like it's something that they can at least try. And then once they try it, they usually can recognize the benefits. So that's the approach I generally take. But it's super practical because, like I said, it's just training your attention. Yeah, and and I have to say, so I spent um, all of my life up to a couple months ago, so 57 years, believing that I I had convinced myself that I could not meditate Mm -hmm. because I was too high strung. And just, you know, my mind was constantly racing and I just could not get quiet. And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and she actually brought up meditating and I said this to her and (laughs) and she stopped, you know, she didn't push it, but I left the conversation and I was thinking, okay, wait a minute, that's like sort of stupid. So I decided I got an app on my phone and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try this. And I can meditate. And I just figure (laughs) if I can meditate, anybody can do it. And all it really does is, as you said, it's so interesting that we're talking about, you just, it just clears everything else out of your head. You just focus. Like I just, I focus on my breathing. I go through this exercise and I actually do it to fall asleep at night Mm -hmm. because it clears all of that conversation out of my head. Well, I would say the other thing is a lot of people have the misconception that you're not supposed to have any thoughts at all when you're meditating. But the reality is, you know, that's what your mind does, your mind thinks. And with meditating, you learn how to have a thought come in, 
But instead of engaging the thought and going down the rabbit hole of the thought, you learn to just let it go. And each time you have that bit of practice of having a thought come in and letting it go, you're strengthening your ability to be able to attend to what you really want to attend to. And so you can think of how you could translate that into business and getting more stuff done. If you can, you know, not get caught up in a thought, but you can let it go and then focus back on the task at hand, that's going to be phenomenal in terms of helping you to be more productive. Yeah, that's great. I forgot about that. You're absolutely right. That's what the guy I'm in the app says. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Thoughts are going to come into your head. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you're right. It's so easy then to just let them go and not engage with them. Yeah. 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 I was going to say also the key to it is when your thought comes in, not having the judgment. So not thinking, oh, I have a thought. I'm doing this wrong. Or, yeah. you know, or oh, a thought's coming in. Or I, even like, I haven't had any thoughts come in. I'm doing this really well. I mean, yeah. judgment <laughs> is not a part of meditation and in mindfulness. So, you know, you could notice, oh, that was a judgment. Let me let that go. Um, but all of that helps you to develop the skills to get rid of distractions and also to look at things with more objectivity. Wow. Wow. And, and so, so even from a business standpoint, then that feels like then it's actually easier to problem solve and come up with ideas and strategies because your mind isn't so weighed down with, uh, you know, a lot of stuff or smaller stuff. I'm not really sure how to put it, but. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, um, research on creativity suggests that we're most likely to have insights when we're kind of not doing anything. So, um, you know, like sometimes in the shower or driving yeah. or just when your mind is still. And so by yeah. giving yourself that opportunity for stillness, it can also, like you said, help with decision making, problem solving, um, coming up with innovative ideas, those sorts of things. Yeah, which is another great reason why business people should and, and business owners should be embracing this, this whole idea of being mindful. Yeah, I totally right? agree. Yeah. 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 So what does it do for managing stress? It feels like an obvious question, but but I I'd really like you to address it so that you know the the listeners are hearing that benefit as well. Yeah, so mindfulness can help you to manage stress in a number of ways. Um, first of all, typically with a mindfulness meditation, you're doing deep breathing, and um, deep breathing in and of itself, I guess not to get too technical. Um, activates a part of your body, the, the, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is uh, basically your body's natural way of calming itself down. And so naturally, just from a physical perspective, if you're doing the deep breathing, you're going to put your body in a better state to be calm. Um, the other thing is, you know, if you think about being stressed, a lot of stress comes from thoughts that are coming in telling you negative things like, oh, I can't keep up with this workload, or man, I'm going to be, you know, so stressed out if I have to make this presentation. And it's a lot of negative self-talk, or even if it's not negative, just unhelpful self-talk, I would say. And so again, if you get better at noticing a thought and observing it and then letting it go, you're going to put yourself in a situation where your mind is calmer and you'll be less stressed. And then I guess the last thing I would say is if you're more productive, then you'll be better keeping up with your workload. And so you'll be decreasing the opportunity for stress as a result. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. It really, it's, it's like a domino effect, right? Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. 
So what are some other tools um, that can help people when they're feeling overwhelmed and help them feel less overwhelmed and maybe more fulfilled? Um, so, you know, the one thing I would say is to just become aware of the aspects of life that are contributing to you feeling overwhelmed. And one way that I suggest is just doing something that's called creating a stress inventory. So just making a list of as many of your stressors as you can possibly think of, and then brainstorming how you could deal with as many of them as you can. So for example, let's say you feel like you have too many responsibilities you might decide to say no to being on one more committee or to you know, being the president of the PTA or something like that. Or if your morning routine stresses you out, uh, you could decide to get up 15 minutes earlier or to lay out your clothes the night before so that you're less overwhelmed. Um, if you're stressed out by the amount of work you're doing, maybe you could look at how you're managing your time or if you're delegating as much as you could be. Um, and so while you might not be able to do anything about all of the stressors, if you start to kind of um, whittle away at the stressors and empower yourself to do something about them, then you'll likely feel less overwhelmed. And again, you'll feel more empowered. Um, and then one other thing I would say is you can also look at how you're thinking about stress. Um, it's interesting because in one study, they actually told people to think of stress as something that could maximize their performance. And what they found is that those people felt more confident and less anxious when they were put under pressure. Um, and they also had fewer physiological reactions in response to stress. And so simply looking at stress differently, not only changed their emotional reaction to it, it also changed their physical reaction to it. So, you know, the whole mind body element is so important. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, no, this, this stuff is, I mean, really cool stuff. That's why I, that's why I do what I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Wow. So, um, the thought comes to me about um, being reactive and being responsive, and it feels like when someone is, being mindful and intentional, then they tend to be more responsive as opposed to instantly reacting to what's going on around them. Is that true? Yeah. You know, there's um, a, qu a quote by um, Henry David Thoreau, and it says uh, something like, it's not enough to be busy, so are the ants. The question is, what are we busy about? And I, and I think that's really the key. Like, are you taking a step back to make sure that you're focusing on doing the right things at the right time? And, you know, whether it's taking time at the beginning of the day to set your priorities so that you have intentions for how you're going to use your time, or, you know, sometimes I'll have clients track how they're using their time. And when they do that, they're often really shocked to see how much time they waste. Um, or even the act of tracking their time lets them see how, often they kind of reflexively are doing things like reaching for their smartphone. And so just tracking it changes the behavior. But, um, you know, the question is like, am I making the highest and best use of my time? And that really requires taking a step back um, as opposed to just reacting to whatever comes at any given point in time. And I would imagine that you can do that stepping back at any time, right? So, so you could like, let's say you, you walk into the office and you say, okay, I want to, be really mindful about what I want to accomplish today and the things I'm going to do. And so you start that and then maybe you 
something happens and you start feeling like you're not achieving that, at that point in time, you can step back and evaluate again, right? So, so if you're being mindful and you lose it, you can always come back to it. It's not as if you blew it. Yeah. And I mean, maybe the Buddhist monks are able to be mindful 24 hours a day, but for the best of us, <laughs> that's, that's not something that we're necessarily aiming for. But I think the key is to have the skills so that you can call on it when you need to, you know, aim to be present as much as possible, but kind of realistically expect that there's going to be some drift. But then, like you said, you can bring yourself back, which is exactly how you do it when you're doing mindfulness meditation. When you drift, yeah. you bring yourself back. And so that's why it really lays the foundation for applying it in your life. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. And could you, could you, I mean, could, could someone say to themselves, okay, you know what, I, I'm, you know, this place is hectic and things happen and I want to make sure that I'm not stressing myself out by feeling like I need to be doing certain things when I really should probably just be going with the flow. However, there are times when I really need to focus. So can people schedule that time for being intentional and being mindful and being focused? Yeah, I think if your schedule allows it, that's a really good practice to have. Um, okay. You know, research suggests that even just giving yourselves break in general are useful. Um, you know, even five minutes can allow you to reset, to breathe to check in with yourself and to think about how you're using your time. And so even if you're not doing it as a mindfulness break, um, taking breaks in general is a really good strategy to maintain a level of productivity. Got it. Okay. All right. So if we have someone listening, I, I'm going to, um, we, we have two different kinds of people listening, let's say. One is um, all about this meditates at home, but never really thought about how mindfulness could be used at work. And the other has always poo-pooed all of this stuff and said, you know, this is just a whole bunch of silliness and, and I'm just, but, but I'm, but I would like to be more intentional. Um, where do they start? Do they both start in the same place or because they're, coming at it differently? Should they start in different places? Because, you know, we said earlier that you, this is a place you want to get to, but you don't necessarily, you know, maybe you work your way into it. So if people are listening and going, okay, seriously, I get it, but I don't even know where to begin. What do you think? Yeah. So I would say for someone who has no experience at all meditating, then something really simple you could do is just set aside five minutes, close your eyes and simply breathe. Um, and focus on your breathing. And so, you know how your parents kind of told you to take a deep breath when you were upset? Well, <laughs> research suggests that there's a lot of wisdom in that suggestion, because like I said, it calms down your body. And so take those five minutes, breathe, notice the sensation of breathing. You can even count your breaths so that you have something to focus on. And then when you notice your attention shifting, simply notice it, like I said, without judgment, and then come back to focusing on your breathing. And I tell you that even if you're not able to apply it to your work setting right away, what I find is that it's a pleasant experience, like just it feels good. And that often for people is enough to, like I said, kind of recognize the value of it. Um, and so that, that would be, 
a, a place to start and then you can work on applying it to your work situation a little bit later. Great. Yeah. 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 I love that because it's interesting. You know, we, we talk about stress and I think if people tried to um, start this at work, if that wasn't something they were familiar with in their life, that could create a lot of stress feeling like th you know, this was an environment that they had to try and get this done. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but again, it's, it's, it's giving you the skill to be able to slow yourself down and just get centered, which is so important when there's a lot going on around you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really so great. So will you talk to me some about the consummate leader, your holistic guide to inspiring growth in others and yourself? Yeah, so that's a leadership book that I wrote. Um, and really, the reason why I wrote it is because I'd worked with a lot of leaders doing executive coaching. And I wanted to give them a framework that they could use to become more effective leaders. And I just feel like a lot of times when people are focusing on becoming better leaders, they can get very tactical. And they can think about techniques and tips, but they're less focused on who they are as a person and how they can use themselves as an instrument to inspire and engage and develop others. And so in the book, I talk about um, seven characteristics of effective leadership, and I give a lot of strategies and exercises and self-reflections that can help you to develop in each of those areas. And I would say the foundation of all strong leadership is self-awareness. And so that's where I start in the book, really helping you to understand um, yourself in terms of your strengths, your weaknesses, your stressors, things that trigger you, what you bring to the table as a leader, your values, and all of those things that really form the foundation for who you are as a leader and how you're going to lead, but also the things that you need to work on to become even more effective in leading people. Wow. That's so great. And where do people get it? Um, they can get it on Amazon.com or they can also get it electronically um, on my website. That is so great. Thank you for sharing about the book. And will you tell everyone um, how they can find you, what you've got going on, um, you know, anything you want to share with them? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at silverliningpsychology.com. And on the website, you'll learn more about the services I offer. I also have a lot of blog posts that will help you to be more successful and happy at work. Um, and if you click on the mindfulness link, it'll actually take you to a page where you can take a quiz so that you can find out how mindful you are at work. And then there are some other resources there as well that can help you to be more mindful. Um, and you can also even take my mindfulness uh, course. And in the course, I give a lot of information about how to become more mindful, but also how to practically apply that into your workspace. Gosh, thank you so much for joining me. I've loved this conversation and it is such an important topic for every, I mean, I think every person and definitely every business person and all these small business owners listening, man, this is, this can be, it, it can change how you, how productive you are and how you feel about your business and, and how you are operating in your business. So thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thank you for having me. It was really wonderful. And I want to thank the listeners. You folks are absolutely who we're doing this for, as well as our sponsor. Remember, uh, 
if you want to get a free trial and a free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth and sign up for that trial. Continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.